Listener Production. You're listening to Darling Shine, a podcast by myself, Elodie Pullen, and me, Chloe Fisher. A place where we ground womanhood's unspoken experiences from grief to fertility and everything in between. Join us while we transform our pain into power, encompassing all emotions ugly and beautiful. Darling Shine is your chosen family and your survival kit for the unexpected shit life throws at you. Yo, yo, yo. Ah, we've just had Minnie Moo's birthday. It was so fun. Far out. That girl gets so spoiled. We had um, Auntie Coco and Auntie Lala sleep over, which was so fun. So that's Chloe and Laura. And they slept over the night before. So Minnie Moo was so lucky in the morning and got to wake up to all three of us just at her cot going, hello, Minnie, happy birthday, you're two. And it was fun. We had a little dance party here in the early morning and then my legend of a midwife, Carly, came over with freshly baked bread that she'd just made. It was still warm. What a fucking legend. And a slab of caramel slice that we just ate and bit into like an apple. Like it was just a freshly uncut slab of like the yummiest caramel slice. And um, yeah, she she's like her specialty. She always makes it for us and drops it at my door. She's such a beautiful soul. So we hoed into that for breakfast and oh, then we went down the beach and then I had I had rushed around the day before just because I'm super, I'm a super unorganized mum. Chloe had been saying, have you organized Minnie's cake? Have you organized Minnie's cake? And I was like, fuck no, I'll just get my cake chick to make it. I'll, I'll hit her up, I'll hit her up, I'll hit her up. And then by the time I did, she was like, mate, I wish you had told me earlier, I'm actually away. And I was like, fuck. So anyway, got a random cake made at the last minute because I just didn't have time to make one. So I feel bad. But I yes, I got all, like we said in the previous episode, I got all her, her little favorite words on it, except I forgot a few of the keywords like wow and no and poo that she says all the time. And I had like rummy on it, kisses, cuddles, daddy. Yeah, all her favorite words on the cake, which was a bit of a lull. And then we had to kind of redecorate the cake because it was kind of fugly. <laughs> Chloe and Laura are like, that is the ugliest cake ever. And I'm like, honestly, it tastes good. So who cares? But Minnie freaking loved it. However, she struggles with it. I think, I mean, that chick loves attention. But when it's like the 45th time of the day that someone's starting to sing her happy birthday, she's like, fuck off and starts losing her mind. So. But no, she was on such a sugar high all day and it was super fun. Minnie's uncle, my brother Dave, actually sent in the most beautiful heartfelt voice message that was supposed to go in last week's ep, except he didn't, he was away without reception and he didn't send the voice note until the day before the episode aired. So we didn't actually have time to chuck it in last week's episode. So it's so beautiful, but we're gonna, um, we'll slot it into another episode coming up about like mini and family and things like that. So Minnie actually got babysat by my brother and his beautiful girlfriend Jules the night of her birthday too while we had to go out for the Life Uncut podcast show, which was really fun actually. And then I was the I was one of the guests that they had on the night along with M. Carrie, who is just freaking amazing. She's such a legend. So that was really fun. And yeah, it was a good night. So this episode, guys, we have 
Marcus Pierce hop on and chat to us about all things longevity. So it's going to be a very interesting one. Hope you guys enjoy. Let's bring him in. I personally was have been really interested in this longevity topic. It actually stemmed from me watching that Netflix series Live to 100, The Secrets of the Blue Zones. Yep. And I found that so interesting. And Paul and I are in this like, phase in our life. He's exercising every single day. He's addicted to being healthy. He's ice bathing, he's saunering. Is he doing breath work? Is he meditating? He does. We we meditate every day. So we're very much in that lane and like very focused on that right now. And we're we're actually really loving it. I'm seeing the benefits and I'm I'm happier. I'm feeling healthier and like I'm loving it. Then I went down this rabbit hole of, I don't know if you've heard of a guy called Brian Johnson. He's in the States. And that blew my mind completely. When we're actually on our honeymoon last two weeks ago in the Maldives, we started watching YouTube fucking videos of this guy. And if if you don't know who he is, this 46-year-old tech billionaire that as part of his life, he's basically put everything on hold to be this like bionic, not bionic, but like he wants to keep his same biological age forever. He takes, I think, 111 supplements per day. He fucking has these LED lights that he has. He does the craziest regime. Like I watched his morning routine the other day and it goes to like one o'clock in the other yeah. and Paul and I. What? But that's yeah. all he does in life. Don't worry, Ali, he has older children. He has older children, doesn't have that like young kids. That look older than him basically. Yeah. Does he have time to come on the podcast? So he's <laughs> oh, I don't know. Routine. I doubt he's got, he's got no time in his life other than to like try and turn back time yeah. pretty much. Sorry, he's got kids that look older than basically. him because well, he looks so... Yeah. It's an interesting, I mean, it's no judgment, but it's an interesting <laughs> approach to life, put it that way. I was like, we need to get a longevity person on here. Let's talk about this because I don't know enough about it. So welcome to the podcast, Marcus. Do you want to talk our listeners through, well, we actually asked you before what your technical job title is and you said it was a little bit. It it sounds very boring. Uh, (laughs) Let's say life design and longevity strategist, but my, my corny dad one-liner is I like to help people make the rest of their life the best of their life. And I think there is a, a fear of getting older and I, I do feel for a lot of women in this world who are caught up in an anti-aging approach to life and I often say there are people in their 20s scared of turning 30 and people in their 30s scared of turning 40 and you're over the hill at 50 and so on and so forth. But at the same <laughs> time, we're all a bit obsessed with longevity and living a, a long time. So um, we're caught in two worlds at the minute. But um, I in many ways like to help people create a lifestyle that gives them a confidence that they will have quality in their quantity of life. So in Australia, we are destined for longevity. Uh, We are eighth on the ladder for longevity around the world, which a lot of people celebrate. But what not many people talk about is that essentially it's 70.9. So let's say a month shy of your 71st birthday. Statistically, it does all go downhill from there and you've got 12 plus years of morbidity, increased meds, you know, your social life is a waiting room, your years in a nursing home, your family's falling apart, all your superannuation's being spent on all kinds of medical expenses. And I don't think that's the life that anyone wants to live. It's grim. But I'm very passionate about people understanding that we do, as as I applaud you, Chloe, like we do need to start designing our life 
in our 20s, when we're playing adults and we're going, okay, well, what do I want? You know, recently married, going on your honeymoon, you start to think, okay, well, what kind of life are we really wanting? And I know that you do a lot of travelling and I know Ali's got a young child, but both of you are looking at what type of life do I really want to live? And in Australia, that's a really important question or any Western country, it's a really important question because we're all going to live for decades. So... You reckon? Yeah. Well, before we kind of go down into like the specifics, do you want to explain to our listeners what are blue zones? And there's five in the world, yeah? Yeah, that's correct. So a little bit of context. I was a raging vegan for many years, so raging that I was shaving with avocado whilst living in Ireland with my wife. And I don't know about you girls, but there's no avocado trees in Ireland. Yeah, literally lathering the stuff on. Um, Yep. Avocados from Kenya, from Super Value in Donegal Town. Hello to everyone in Donegal Town. Um, Could you and, not find a shaving cream that was vegan? Well, I'm sorry, Alady, but when you're vegan, I'm, I'm just self-deprecating here. When you're vegan and you're saving the planet, um, you are doing everything by the book. And I had read shaving with avocado was the next greatest way to save the planet. So for seven or eight years, Sarah, my beautiful wife and I were vegan. And then to make matters worse, when we got to Ireland and I bought a six pack of wine, Sarah said a couple of weeks in, this is pretty boring drinking wine after dinner every night. Do you want to quit alcohol? I was like, yeah, babe, let's quit Uh alcohol. And so I'd gone from a Red Bull guzzling, cigarette smoking TV producer at Channel 9 to a raging vegan whose nickname had gone from MP to Mungbean in the Channel 9 (laughs) studios. MP. To Mungbean. And now I was uh, not just a raging vegan but a teetotaler thinking that this was the way to live to 100. And then read a book called Healthy at 100 which is by a man called John Robbins, who was the heir to the throne of Baskin Robbins ice cream. Um, He literally grew up... Sold me ice cream. Yeah, totally, Um, like a lot of us. But he grew up literally having ice cream for breakfast, lunch and dinner, swam in an ice cream cone-shaped swimming pool. And then he (laughs) became raging vegan when he saw that his uncle, Bert Baskin, had died in his mid-50s, I think it was. His uncle, his dad, Irv Robbins, had heart disease and he went and did all of this research, really incredible man, great author. And I am getting to the Blue Zone stuff in a minute, but he referenced a study on page two of the introduction. I was reading this back in 2010 thinking, is it going to tell me that I'm on the right path being vegan? And it said 600 people interviewed over over the course of 20 years, the same questions every time. And think about this, girls and listeners. As you age, you become less useful, agree or disagree. As you age, you realise your best years are behind you, agree or disagree. And Alady, like I have so much empathy for your life that you've lived, hearing all of your stories about Chumpy, and I'm like, wow, do you feel like the best years are behind you? Like these are the challenging questions that we have to ask ourselves. As you get older, you realise you're a burden on society, on your family and your community. And they traced these people over the course of 20 years and they found that the people that had a disempowered view of ageing, the people that thought that they their best years were behind them, it was all downhill from here, they died seven and a half years earlier than the people that were happy getting older, that, that loved getting older, that felt that they weren't a burden, that their best years weren't behind them. And what was really interesting, again, as a raging vegan, is that they didn't measure their diet. They didn't measure how much money they had in the bank. They didn't measure their genes, you know, or their home. They measured a belief, like what was between the years. And this for me was mind-blowing because... 
I was like, oh, yeah, as, a, as an ex-TV producer, I'm like, hold on a minute, we're constantly pushing out content that you get crotchety and grumpy and old, that you're not good-looking enough, that you're not smart enough, that you need to pop this pill, have this injectable, da 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 Like everything <laughs> was so built on a poor self-esteem around getting older. And that's what led me to the Blue Zones. One of my wife's a chiropractor by profession and one of her patients said, oh, Liz Hayes on 60 Minutes is going to Ikaria, this little Greek island, um, uh, to find the Fountain of Youth, you know, check out 60 Minutes. This was back in 2011 or 12. I'd read the Blue Zones book by then, but it was at that point when I watched her piece on it that I was like, right, we have to start taking small groups of Aussies over there to show them how we can live that life back in Australia. And so we went to this little Greek island, Ikaria, for the first time in 2016. And the other four Blue Zones are... Sardinia, but just a little part of Sardinia. So Sardinia is 1.6 million people, massive island, but only 13 villages on the island are actually what we would consider blue zones. And then Okinawa, Japan, which is a fading blue zone because their children and grandchildren are dying from obesity and all other things uh, living on a, on a US military base. Nicoya in Costa Rica and then a Seventh-day Adventist community in California called Loma Linda. And all of this research was done by National Geographic almost 20 years ago. So the series on Netflix is new, but the data and the, the work of this is, again, almost two decades old. So that gives you the context as to why we're chatting here today, but Blue Zones aren't everything they're cracked up to be. There's a, there's a lot of bearing the lead in this again as, as an ex-TV producer there's only so much you can fit into a series and, and sometimes you have to uh, remove some of the, the deeper work as well. Where does Australia fall on the blue zone list? Is it anywhere near there? Well I is think it? again this is all based on data isn't it so a lot of it is uh, birth certificates and death certificates so the World Health oh, Organization yeah. has Australia as a country eighth on the ladder again I live in I live in the Byron Bay region near your producer Carly and a lot of people talk about here as a is it like the Australian blue zone? There are a lot of people in Ikaria, weirdly enough, that have been to Byron Bay. Again, they love that. Ikaria is actually the surf capital of the Greek islands. Like people come oh, to Ikaria to surf. And then I go there and I look at the waves and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I think we've got it pretty good uh, in Australia. <laughs> but all credit to them, they love it. But So they all know Byron and many of them have been here and they will talk about uh, Byron as the organised version of Ikaria. They call it organised Ikaria because wow. it's very similar feels. But then the rusticness of Ikaria makes it feel very different to anywhere in Australia. Yeah, so Australia's doing a great job, but I often say, like, we're very fragmented. Like, Ikaria is an island of 8,000 people. It's only 250 square kilometres. It's like 80 villages of 100 people, and they all know each other. Whereas in Australia, what are we, 26 million people, mm. COVID made us realise how spread out and opposed we are to every other state. So we're not really that connected. We're much more fragmented. It's like Chloe's doing her longevity thing, but she's traveling around the world. And then Alady's doing her thing up on the Goldie with some friends. And then I'm doing my thing down Eating here. Macca's. <laughs> you're still doing your longevity thing, Alady. I know you love your Macca's, but you're still doing your longevity thing, doing a cracking job <laughs> at it. Uh, but I think we've got to be really mindful that we actually do longevity, but we don't do quality Longevity. You don't want those 12.1 years of a shit life at the end. Like, it's no way to end the movie. Yeah. Fuck no. So I think we've got to be really mindful of we're all creating it right now and there are some really important lifestyle habits we must uh, generate 
you know, movement being one of them, that most of us say, I don't have time to exercise. I'm like, well, you'll have plenty of time for dementia, as brutal as that might sound. But that's what we've got to be really careful of as we go about designing our lives. So you're saying that Australians are quite good at doing like our quantity, like we can actually get to that age of like and have more longevity, but it's the quality of life that we have that we suffer. And the whole point about these blue zones and longevity and all that sort of stuff is you need to have them both work cohesively together. They they, they might have a pear-shaped life for six weeks at the end. Whereas we've yeah. got 12 years. like, yeah. um, And I've seen yeah. people that are near the end of their life in Ikaria, but they're still in the home, you know, like you can tell mm. it's coming to the end, but it's just it's nowhere near as morbid as we have it in Australia where like our parents or my dad's four years into dementia, he's, he's not in a nursing home, but like you look at people that have dementia or are in a nursing home and like you do, unless anyone wants to disagree with me here, you don't look at that and go, oh, that's how I want to go. Like that's yeah, how yeah. I want to go. You know, a hundred percent. Like when I look at my grandparents and a lot of friends' grandparents, I, I mean, I've always said, I don't know if this is so negative, but obviously, um, you're gonna change my life design. <laughs> but um, I've always said, I do not want to get much further past fucking like eighty five. Yes, like, and a lot of people have a number. Do you, so you've got a, your your number's eighty five, yeah. Chloe. Do you reckon you have a number? I don't know. I'm like, I just like can't imagine me. I don't know, not being good. I know, but I do look at grandparents I and I like, that's why I feel like I'm actually a little bit kicking myself that I didn't research and I didn't understand and I wasn't aware of this actually sooner. I mean, oh, we're only 32. Oh, come on, but girls. I'm just, no, you're 32. No, no, Imagine no, being no. 82. I mean, just like just being conscious and not being conscious, it's, but like being like educated around this. That's what I'm trying well, to say. Like I'm so interested in it. You what know? we're doing right now is buying us that time 100%. Yep. Like I have always thought, I've looked at my both my nans, actually every one of my grandparents, and I'm like I am 100, and I can see it in myself. I'm like I will definitely be getting dementia like 100. You can, <laughs> no, you you can see that. No, hold on right yeah, like, now. So hold on. That's what I don't hold say Hold on, that. no, Alady, Alady. Uh, my dad has dementia, so I feel very strongly about this. And do your grandparents have dementia? All of them. Okay, and they're so, all gone, 100%. Here we go. Uh, just let's get a little bit researchy for a minute. Uh, research shows that dementia takes between 10 and 50 years to hit the diagnosis point. And research, yeah. so 50 years to reach the diagnosis, 50 years to reach the appointment with the doctor to say, sorry, Marcus, you have dementia. But what oh, research yeah. also shows, thanks to Professor Michael Woodward, we interviewed him on episode 42 of our podcast, 100 Not Out, and he was the head of Alzheimer's Australia. He said, if we were sufficiently physically active, so doing what fish is doing and moving for at least 30 minutes a day, we would prevent, we would get rid of 42% of all dementia. So if you want to pretty much just halve your chances of getting dementia, go and move for 30 minutes a day. I've seen you taking many for walks along the beach <laughs> in the morning. She's got the peloton in I the garage. Don't, I am not a sitter downer. Don't worry, I move all day. So you're sweet. So you've got that in your favour because I look at my dad who used to love running and I reckon in his early 40s he started to say, I don't have time to exercise. <laughs> and whenever anyone says, I don't have time to do something, I'm like, no, 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 like, you haven't made it important enough to want to do that right now. So we've got to be mindful. Ality, you're not getting dementia. 30 minutes a day of movement, which I think you're already doing. Social and purpose are the 
two other factors. So hanging out with cool people, and I've heard a lot of your friends on the podcast, you love a chat, <sighs> you've got a great peer group around you, you've got to be around great people, and waking up each day enjoying your life. Like if you don't have a good reason to get out of bed, then your brain's not firing, it's not being challenged, it's not yeah. going, oh, how am I going to do this, how am I going to do that? You need to have challenge in your life to keep your brain active. They're the three big ones for dementia and you are not getting dementia, Elodie. <laughs> it's about that mindset. Hey, I've got to say I am not getting dementia. But you just made me think of obviously this is super like basic hack, but I've just been trying to do it lately because I, I was in such a habit of waking up, grabbing my phone and just scrolling for like half an hour in bed before Minnie wakes up. And I noticed it would just suck my dopamine dry for the day and I would just feel flat and keep going to grab my phone during the day. This is not bloody genius shit, but I've just been trying not to look at my phone in the morning. It's actually funny because my friends are like, where are you? You're late. Like, and I'm like, because I'm not looking at my time. I'm not even looking at my phone. I'm literally not picking it up at all. I'm just waking up, hopping up, hanging with Minnie, making her brekkie and like avoiding touching my phone at all to the point where I don't even know what time it is and we keep getting to kindy really late. Um, and it's been changing my entire day. Yeah. And then not looking at my phone till about, yeah, like after I drop Minnie off or, you know, when my day's really getting started, maybe even not, not till nine. Been making me a happier person. Now, I love this. I am a, I'm a massive fan of this. I applaud you for the discipline. I think a lot of us are listening to you going, wow, that, that's actually so much harder than it sounds. And I do think that particularly if people are going onto social and scrolling in the morning. It's a trap. I would just say being a young person, but even being anyone, we are so now built into comparing our life to whoever we're seeing on the socials. Um, and I feel like you were talking about this, Chloe, on a recent episode where you're like, you put on a post of maybe it was in the Maldives and people are essentially heckling and trolling you for just like living your life. And it's almost mm -hmm. like, I think you were saying, you almost just don't want to even engage in it. And this is the thing about the phone is you've actually got so many engagements and in so many rules for engagement that what, mm -hmm. Alady, you've done is like, you know what, my life is more important than like everyone else's life. I'm going to stick the phone down. I'm not going to be informed on what everyone else is doing in their life. I'm going to get on with my life. I applaud you having a little less screen time, Ality, because um, even just hearing you talk about it, you feel so much better about it as a result and, and that's all that matters. Don't get me wrong. I've been having screen time at night. My thing is in the Arvo as I sit on the couch, I pretend I'm watching TV yeah. and I'm actually just on my phone. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's that morning scrolling that sets me up for a really shit day, but nighttime scrolling, it just fucking puts me to sleep. We all need to switch off. Yep. Uh, that's why we love a good series to binge or, or something else. Like it's nothing wrong with that. This is the thing. There's so, so many extremes in the world at the moment. Like I'm going on a digital detox. I'm going carnivore. I'm going vegan. I'm going... 100% something and it's like, what happened to just enjoying all the colours? Like what happened to enjoying all the experiences? I listened to your conversation with your brother, uh, is it Cooper? Yeah. Around, you know, how he went off the grog. But what I loved is that he was happy to say that he went back on the grog. Like mm. there's a lot of extreme approaches right now mm -hmm. and I feel like having been pretty extremist over the years, I love it. I love a glass of red wine and a piece of steak but I think it doesn't mean that not going to have vegetables or, and I think, like you said, with your screen time, Alady, you're not going to ditch the phone for 24 hours. Like it's not, it's not a judgment of are you a good or a bad person? You just want to live your best life. And if that's two hours of phone free time in the morning, then good work. But I think we've, this is what life design is, right? What works for you? Mm -hmm. May not work for Chloe, may not work for me, may not work for the others. It's so hard though to break the habit. I was even, when we were just yeah. on our honeymoon in the Maldives, I was like, 
I'm such a worker and I'm always on emails and always on everything. And yeah. Elodie's like, when Carly was like, you need to switch off for this, at least just this week. And I actually put my phone on airplane mode and I, I put it in my um, safe. Yeah, oh, nice. It was bliss for me. Elodie, Elodie was stoked. She was just fucking like, keep bliss. the phone. I, I, one day it was because there was a lot of rain. I pulled it out just because like, oh, fuck, Paul's doing a few emails right now. I'll just check in. Elodie was so rattled. She was like, can you just not talk to me? I was like, okay. But isn't that the art of actually having block time of whether it's phone time or whether it's block time of going to the beach and chilling out yeah. or whether it's block time with your friends? It's I feel like that's the art because otherwise you do feel somewhat guilty when you're using your phone. It really is so hard to break the habit though. Like yeah. even yeah. with Elle, I've been trying to actively do it as best as I possibly can for quite some time now with the waking up in the morning, I'd always do the scroll. But ever since Paul and I have done this meditation course and we meditate every morning now, I found that when I was going on my phone before meditating, then when I was meditating, that's all I was thinking about what I had just seen on my phone. Yeah. So now I wake up, roll straight over, grab my phone, get my insight timer and I meditate for 22 minutes before I open up any apps or anything. And that's a discipline as well, though. That is a discipline. Get that done, straight mm. to brush your teeth, straight yeah. to shower, and then, like, not even looking, like, trying my best not to look at anything until, like, I'm sort of in the kitchen and, and zhuzhing around. But yeah. it is hard. Back to the blue zones. So there's the four major ones. Are there secrets like that you can share with us? That oh. I know it's food and the people and like what what is, how are they getting um, so high up in the list in this blue zone? I feel like there's like a hundred things to be honest. Every time I go there, I'm like, what am I going to learn this time? And I come back with so much more new juicy lifestyle shifts that I was like, oh, you, you can't, you know, when you go somewhere and you think you know a place, but then you go there and you find all these, you know, new restaurants or new places or whatever. It feels like that. So Right now, I feel like it's really about mastering the art of pace, so the speed of life. So you go to Ikaria or Sardinia, you know, they call it New York Times calls Ikaria the island where people forget to die. And it's like, okay, <laughs> so what's literally happening here? And they're so slow. So like you order coffee and it takes 15 minutes to get there and you're going like, come on, where's when my coffee? They're not but stressing like, they're oh, going, they're oh where are you from and yeah. how are you going? And, and if you're not ready to adjust to that, and it's really, you know, as someone that's meditating every day, Chloe, it's really like how present with the current moment can you be right now? And if you're waiting for your coffee, you are living in the future, which means you're anxious. Anxiety <laughs> is only about that the future, right? And guilt can only be about the past. You can't be guilty about the future or anxious about the past. So when you think about this, Ikarian say that island will either suck you in or spit you out. You go, wow, if I feel like I'm being spat out, it's because I am just living so fast and mm. I am struggling to acclimatise to that pace. When I think about it, it's like, oh, <sighs> like it's really just relax. And I know mm. we find this hard, particularly in the cultures that we live in, the, the modern culture, like living a slower, more meaningful, more fulfilling life is bloody hard in the fast-paced world that we live in. But most people that I work with, clients want a more simple life. They want an exceptional life, but they're sick of the complications of a fast life. 
So how do we do that? This is These blue zones, again, I've only been to Ikaria and Sardinia, but they know how to live a slower, more fulfilling life. And mastering that art is something that I feel like takes us years and years and years. But you're looking for you're looking for things. So let me give you things. Um, mm. Relationship to alcohol is phenomenal. So in Ikaria, mm. they would never drink on an empty stomach. And in Australia, what do we say, girls? That's cheating. Eating is cheating. Eating is cheating. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Exactly right. Um, so they are all for tipsy but they are not for drunk. And this is the confronting. Not for Turby. They are not for, they, they, it's confronting because they are like, if a local is drunk, when he sobers up tomorrow, we're going to knock on his door and go, what's happening in your life? We have an annual oh, right. Are You OK day. In Ikaria, they would knock on the door and go, you OK? You were wasted last night. Like that's not Less. normal for you, so to speak. Like is everything OK? They would never drink alone. So if they wanted a drink, if I lived alone and I lived in Ikaria, I would walk around to your house, knock on your door and go, you want a drink? And you'd say, of course, uh, but we would never drink without eating. So you'd get some bread or some salad or you'd pull out some tomatoes or strawberries, whatever, it's so random over there, and we would start (laughs) eating and drinking. And the art of that is that it slows down the alcohol absorption process, but it also in drinking with someone else, it elongates the process. So it, it, it makes it stretch out. So mm-hmm. the experience goes for longer because they really love it. Like their lunch breaks go for two or three hours and they're always <laughs> drinking wine and eating bread and at their festivals, they're eating hot chips with their Greek salad and they're all like drinking wine. So, and they're all putting water in their wine, which I find. Whoa, nah. Yeah, I know, no, no. I know, I know. So <laughs> I now, I know, don't judge me. I now put ice blocks in my wine because I can't put water in my wine, but I'll put ice blocks in my oh, wine. Yeah, I do do a bit of that sometimes. Mate, like, there's me. a chilled red movement. I don't know if it's just around here, but I feel like there's a lot of I chilled like, red. Yeah, we like, we like that. Are they having day naps? Day naps. So, so on my recent trip, Elodie, have you seen the series on Netflix or is it just Chloe? Sorry, no. No, okay. So in the in episode three, Chloe, you may remember when they go to Ikaria, there's a lady there, Thaya, who sounds American because she grew up in Michigan, but she does a lot of the translating. She was the glue for a lot of this research. And Thaya's husband, Ilya, who is Icarian, a local, he is like, Marcus, I love my siesta. Do you know what siesta means? And I was like, uh, yeah, it's rest. It's just resting in the afternoon. And he's like, Marcus, siesta translates to six hours. After you've been working for six hours, you're tired and you want to rest. Uh And I'm like, that is so true. If you start work at 9 o'clock, at 3 o'clock you're cooked. I don't know anyone that isn't. Like mm-hmm. you, you just oh, want a nap. 3 p.m. dip. Yeah, and, and in the health and wellness world, which is kind of the world that I've been in, we're going, oh, your hormones are screwed or you're having too much sugar and you want a block of chocolate. Actually, you just want to rest. But a lot of family or work life doesn't really make that easy or possible. So mm-hmm. they have mastered the art. A lot of Europeans have mastered the art of siesta. Yeah, their diets are very locally sourced. So they don't have supermarkets in Ikaria. They don't have multinationals. Um, they don't have five-star hotels. It's all, you know, pensiones, B&Bs, what we would call. They're very community-based. You feel like you're in the 1970s. I was born in 81, but you literally feel like you're at a time that you've never experienced. So there's some of the things. I could keep on going on, girls, but honestly, we'll be here till midnight. But there's some of the things that stand out. With the food, when I was watching it, some of the main things were food. Like Mm. sweet potatoes, I don't know why that just stuck out like a sore thumb. I'm like, is that the food? Okay, well, let me just be a little bit controversial. So that series very much has a plant-based tinge to it, which a lot of us are curious about because you go to Ikaria and 
Not not one local knows a vegan and not one local knows someone with a food allergy. Not one local knows another local that has a gut health issue. They all eat animal protein. So I've asked them specifically like, tell me about this. Like, well, not everyone would have goat. So in Ikaria, the red meat is goat, but they'll have fish. I mean, they're on an island. They're always having mm. seafood. Yeah. In Sardinia, they would have a lot of fish as well. They're on an island, but it's more lamb. Like they're all shepherds over there. But also, don't want to weird anyone out, in Sardinia, they eat horse. Nah. I know, I know, I know. But in Sardinia, being Italian, they have a lot of pasta and it's the best pasta ever yeah. and it's so different to pasta in Australia. And so all I had in, in Sardinia was pasta. But in Ikaria, I've never had pasta. I've been there four times. I've never had pasta there. But we both call it the Mediterranean diet. So I don't think that we can just lay it down to it's this or it's that because you go to two Mediterranean islands and they've got very different diets. You know, one's eating horse and and lamb. The other one's having goat and calamari. So I think it's really important that wherever we are, we're eating local. So if Chloe is in LA, it's food that's been grown in LA. It's wine from LA. I often say Mm. living in Australia, we don't need to be having wine from America. But if we're in America, we don't really need to be having wine from Australia. Like in (laughs) Ikaria, they would never have wine from outside of Ikaria. They all grow their own grapes, ferment them, make their own wine, and they would never have a wine from Australia. They'd just be like, no way, not doing it. I mean, I haven't been to this amazing Ikaria joint. I need to go there, but I don't know if it sounds... We'll take you there. It's a great place. I'd be way too busy for it. But no, what I notice when I go to Greece is, I don't know if it's like what you said, everything's local and... But no one seems to be, you know, gluten intolerant, lactose intolerant, having those intolerances. Is there there no gluten over there? No gluten intolerance in Ikaria. And therefore no gut... Problems. Correct. And... They don't know anyone with a gut health issue. All the people with gut health issues are the tourists. Yeah. All the people yeah, with yeah, the food yeah. allergies and the dietaries are the tourists. Now, again, like there's no judgment here. We've just got to be, as a, as a journalist, yeah. I'm like, why? How? Wow. That's fascinating. I do think that pace of life thing has to be a big part of our gut health issues that cause our stresses to be so high. I also think... We very much live in a four-wall world and we're on screens a lot, which, again, we love and we need, even the fact that we're doing this now. But in Ikaria, they never, they don't wear glasses. They're not, not wearing prescription glasses. You can always see the horizon. And I'm like, I wonder if they don't wear glasses because they've always got different textures. They've always got trees and they've always got plant life and then they've got animals and then they've got the ocean and wherever you go, you can see nature. Where Wherever I look, it's like I've got walls and photo screens, and books and screens. And it's like, it's all very two dimensional. Yeah. Is that the episode? Wow. I know because there was four of them, but you know that one, how they just walk everywhere. They walk for miles Correct. every day. I'm yeah. like, wow, they're so old. This is how steep the mountains are. These elderly people are walking up every day to get their coffee. So that's definitely Ikaria and Sardinia. Like in, in Ikaria, it's why drive when you can walk? And whenever we're bringing groups over, I'm always like, can you hike? Because if you can't hike, you're not coming because there's no flat land in Ikaria. In Sardinia, where the blue zones are, they're called the insane mountains. So it's always undulating. And the stairs... 
Thea and Elia's auntie and uncle, they live at the top of this village, Nas, looking down on the Aegean Sea. They've got to walk down like 150 stairs that are rickety-rackety that don't have a rail just to go and visit their family or to do a spot of shopping. They do it every day. And like you and wonder. back up. Yeah, and then they got to walk back up. Like, but we're all going, I want to downsize and not put stairs in the house because we're getting a bit older. Oh, and I'm like, no, mm. no, 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 no. Like, you need a two-storey house or you need to live on a hill or you need to, like, get moving because the comforts that we're so addicted to are the things that are robbing us of that quality in that quantity of life. So true. What do you think about supplements? Like, I'm always jealous of my friend that is always, like, taking a million supplements and I, I don't do that. I'm always just like, oh, God, what does she know that I don't know? Like, should I be taking all that shit? But then I'm always like, oh, I think if I'm eating healthy food and vegetables and, you know, all that stuff, I should be getting what I'm supposed to be. And then you hear that a lot of the time you're not even absorbing yeah. su- the supplements properly yeah. and Look, blah, I'm definitely, blah, blah. My, my co-host is, is a naturopath, nutritionist, chiropractor, a media kind of consultant to all types of people and he'd be so more qualified to answer that question except what I will say is that when I'm hanging around older people in Ikaria and Sardinia, they are not <laughs> having supplements. I have supplements. I don't have 100. I love me a good probiotic but I used to be mm. having green powders every day and I don't have them anymore. Should I have them more? Who knows? Like, mm. I don't know, Alady. I feel like if it stresses you out like it does a lot of people, like they've got to have it at the right time on the right day and it's a real process. Yeah. and Eat a bit of broccoli. I would never. It's like diets. Like I don't believe in diets, but if you've got a gut health issue, you need to go on a healing diet. You know, like you need to take some things out of your food plan. So I would say the same thing about supplements. If it's for a really good cause and you're healing from something, then all for it. But if you're not really sure why you're taking it, then I don't think so. Tell us about biohacking and give us a good example of it. I'm jaded. I'm jaded. I'm, I, I like... Look, I'm 42. You girls are in your 30s, yeah? Yeah. I like rituals. I love habits. I love practices. But what I would say is what use are all the biohacks known to man or woman if you hate your family, you've got no friends, you don't have any fun, you hate your job, you're scratching for money, but you've got all of the biohacks in the world. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I've never seen anyone in Ikaria do yoga. No disrespect to yoga. I love yoga. But, like, they're not, like, biohacking their way through flexibility. Mm. I've never seen them meditate. Again, we love to meditate, but I've never seen them meditate. They would live meditatively. So in the moment, they are looking at you. They are focused on you you. And because they're living a slower life, they're not doing ice bars and breath work because they're breathing well anyway. So again, I'm not dissing anything that I've just mentioned because some of my best friends are in breath work and hot cold therapy and all the rest of it. Like I love them all. But I think we've got to be just really cautious of how fulfilled are you in life? Are you like being really awesome with your wife and kids, your family, your friends? Are you great at work? Are you looking after yourself nutritionally? Are you having fun in your life? So many people are bored out of their brains but biohacking themselves within like an inch of their life, but they're having no fun. And are you spending more than you earn? Like if you're going broke quickly, biohacking, like, oh, I don't know. It just doesn't feel, <laughs> doesn't feel that awesome. Okay. I'm not biohacking yet. I'm just imagining the people in Ikara. Ikaria, yeah. Yeah, just like no one's ever been stressed there. No one's ever walked faster than fucking a turtle there. Everyone's just crazy. Laughing, laughing, laughing. But it's not out of. They're laughing at us, but 
But <laughs> I say this with love to all of us poor people trying to put our best lives together. In yes. Icaria, Sardinia, any longevity culture, it's innate. Like they've learned it from their parents who learned it from their parents who learned it from their parents. Like they don't have to wake up and go, how do I live my best life? Mm. It's, it's built into them. Like we do have to wake up going, how do I live my best life? So I'm, I'm not meaning to be cheeky, but like we do have to buy a hack because we're, we're wanting to work out. <laughs> well, do I want to meditate? Like do I want to go vegan? Do I want to have a meat-free Monday? Do I want to shave with avocado? Like I remember doing salt flushes and completely stuffing it up. I don't know if you guys know what a salt flush is, but you put like all this salt in a litre of water and you have it yeah, on an Elise empty stomach. Yeah, tried that one before. Yeah, and I did yeah, it on a full stomach. she tried it on a full stomach. I, <laughs> Yeah, how did your one go down? Oh, my, I, I have never everywhere? been so pregnant in my life. I was heaving and my wife was pissing herself in the office whilst I'm going, babe, I'm in trouble. I'm in so much trouble. Like, help me. Yeah, so never do a salt flush on a, on a full stomach. That's a bit of deja vu for me. I spewed basically all over Chloe and her <laughs> kitchen. In my kitchen sink. <laughs> You're joking. So then you kind of learn, go, oh, maybe not. Like, maybe that's not what I'm going to do. But some people do it, whether it's colonics. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, everyone's got Mm, their thing. Is the thing really that important? I'm like, do you go gluten-free or do you forgive your parents? Do you go (laughs) gluten-free or do you, like, work on your relationship? Do you go gluten-free or do you spend more time with your friends? Like, I don't know. Unless you've got a really bad gut health issue, I think the other three things are probably more important to have a great life. I love that so much, hey. <laughs> it does make so much sense and it's, yeah, it's so simple, you know. Stop counting calories and oh, fucking embrace life. Yeah, 100%. That's why you girls, honestly, I don't want to piss in your pocket, but listening to your podcast and just getting a giggle out of it, I'm like, so many podcasts are so serious these days and you girls are hanging shit on each other and everyone else and getting friends on and making fun. It's like, oh, the laughter is so healing. Just Thank you. Like, okay, so good example is, yeah, obviously drinking Binge drinking is fucking not a good thing for your body at all. But and like But some of the I best had, memories of our lives, let's be honest. Well or not like memories. for example, <laughs> like the other day, I, I was like, oh, I really don't want to have a big night, but I'm so frothing to catch up with the girls and have fun and stuff. But I was in my head about like I've actually have been really healthy lately. But we went we did go out, had a few drinks, and literally laughed our heads so off good. together. And I look around and I'm like this is seriously the best medicine. Like, I'm not saying I, I probably wouldn't have laughed that hard had I not have drunken that much. I still would have had a really great time. It's all about that balance. No, I, I wasn't drinking and I was. You were still I laughing actually head felt off. sick by the end because I was like, my jaw hurts. I feel like I'm off my head because I've been laughing so much at these girls. I, yeah. we, we actually yeah. called it the circus in the end because I was sitting there just going, oh, my God, like what is coming out of these mouth yeah. holes? We laughed for five or six hours straight and it was just so good. Yeah. yeah. And you all felt amazing afterwards, right? You're like, yeah. life is great no matter what challenges I've got in my life. Right yeah. now, life is good. Yeah. 100% laughed our absolute heads off, drunk a few drinks, ate some pizza. Actually, we went and ate Maccas and then, hey, <laughs> then the next day we got healthy, we went we for a swim healthy. and we laid in the sun like it's all about balance. Yeah, I, honestly. And we didn't dwell on the few margaritas too many that we had, yeah. you know? You know, I've only had one margarita in my life but I spewed my guts out the next morning so I can't oh. go back. 
Yeah, oh, no. And, stick to a wine. Yeah, I'll just that stick to the wine. That happened to me with the Midori Splice. Kind yeah. of look Yuck. at Midori. Yeah. I remember we used to drink that Yuck. green um, shit. Okay, I want to talk about now, though, getting old because I know that you, I know you said you've listened to a few of our podcasts recently and we're constantly talking about, like, the LED lights and, like, skincare yes. and, you know, Botox and all this sort of stuff and... My uh, wrinkles stress to- me the fuck <laughs> out. Do they yeah. really? Oh, God, Yeah. Not to, I know you're interviewing me, but I'm so curious. Like, why do they stress you out? I am scared of looking old and rank. Like, I don't want to age. Yeah, okay. So you don't want to look rank. I don't know anyone or that wants tired. to look. I don't want to look tired. <laughs> yeah. And I I like the look of people aging gracefully and not just pumping themselves full of plastic surgery. I yeah. absolutely do not want to do that. Yeah. But I, I'd... Yeah, I do look at my eyes and I'm like, oh, there's lines there. I don't want that. As you go through life, you begin to go, oh, I'm not 21 anymore. But a lot of the centenarians or graceful ages that I've interviewed go, I still think like I'm 21. And yes. that's you to a T right now, Ality. Like that's you're like, me. I'm, in I'm thinking like I'm 21. But this is yep. the thing you never want to stop because when you want to go traveling around the world when you're 85 and everyone's like, no, you're too old to travel around the world, uh-huh. you want to go, no, 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 I'm thinking like I'm 21 and I'm traveling around the world. So you never want to be that. <laughs> but you will feel like, physically or other parts of your life where you're like, oh, I'm, I'm playing a bit more grown-ups or oldies than I wanted to. But I think having a great relationship to getting older and recognising that you're so much more, I know it's hard coming from a guy particularly, but you're so much more than your physical body. Like your yeah. personalities, I'll tell you right now, are the most attractive things about you because you're so engaging. Like it's so rare in society today that we are engaging personalities. We're so addicted to our phones that we've lost rules of engagement. So worrying about your wrinkles is fine, but that's just a symptom of feeling, again, 21 in your headspace, but you never want to stop that. Yeah, well, like even friends are like, that's fine, just get Botox in your eyes. And then I'm like, no, because I want to be able to move my eyes. I want to be able to smile with my eyes. But what? there's no bloody eye cream that, you know, like, (laughs) so it's like this catch. Yeah. But what about a, like those LED face masks? Because mm. I know that Paul takes the piss of because yes. we've got the same one, this Omnilux one that we love. And I, so I, love, I love it. I've actually used it multiple times at a friend's really? place. And, yeah, I love I what, love them. What are your thoughts on them? Because this, that Brian, um, what's his name, Brian Johnson, yeah. that's what he does every morning. He actually gets up and stands in front of an LED-like screen. Yeah. Because, you know, you can go to beauticians and stuff and you can actually – do the, the full body, body ones. Yeah. So he does that first thing in the morning. I'd love to see what he looks like. For X amount of time. <laughs> and then he does it on his face and one on his head that goes into his like. Yeah. I wonder what he eats and he drinks. For as long as we're around, there's going to be so many tactics on how to age gracefully. I definitely yeah. feel, even based on what Alady just said, it's our relationship to getting older is everything. Mini is a flip of the coin to hit 100. And a, wow. and a 40 year old, I'm 42, is a one in five chance to hit 100. So it's not Tats Lotto numbers. We have to be really at ease with our relationship to getting older. So, tactics aside, whether it's LED, whether it's saunas, I feel like everyone's got a sauna in their house these days, whether it's jumping in an ice bath, it's actually. And are they all good? Like all, ice yeah, bath saunas? All, like- they all have their place. But I do think what's, what is the cream is of the, of the, of the crop is do you want to get older? Like, do you look forward to your 40th birthday? Mm. I mean, it doesn't actually scare me getting older and I'm not scared of ageing, I'm not scared of living to 100, 
the only thing, and I was just thinking about this the other day, and the only thing that rattles me about aging is that I might not be a young parent. And I would have liked to have had kids like five years ago. And I really, my whole life aspired to be able to be running around with my kids. And the only thing about me aging that petrifies me is that I might be older than I'd like to have been when I have my yeah. children. So without sounding like I'm trying to fix that problem because that's terrible male masculine energy behaviour, if you don't have mentors about older women who became mums, then I feel like you're going to have that belief. But I could tell you so many women who have had kids when they're older who are absolutely crushing it and living the best life and it's actually like, you know what, if they had kids in their 20s or 30s, that actually wouldn't have turned out well. Like I can already say to you, Chloe, your career is absolutely blossoming so that when you have um, your first child, you are not going to be worried about shivers. I've got to go back to work so that we can pay the mortgage. Like do you know how much of a big stress that is for so many parents who fall pregnant and have children in their 20s and 30s? That whole work life, mum guilt of careers and got to pay the bills and all the rest of it, like you are kicking butt so well professionally that when you do have a baby, you are not going to have to think about that and that will allow you to give all the time and presence to your child, children that you wouldn't have been, well, maybe wouldn't have been able to do as someone said in one of your recent podcasts when you and uh, Fisher didn't have a sense to your names when you met. You actually, <laughs> even though you go, oh, I would have loved to have been parents then, it's you know, we've got to be really yeah. mindful of the blessings in disguise. And again, not telling you how to live your life, but there are great yeah. parents out there that are older and are doing it so well and you will too. Yeah. Yeah, I do try and weigh it up quite often and like in the end I will come to the conclusion like, no, like it's probably all panning out the way that it's meant to pan out. You know, I've been able to do some amazing things that I wouldn't be able to have, have done with a child, but yeah, it just freaks me out. Like the longer that it goes on, the more I'm like, oh my God, like I just, I don't want to be 60 when my kid's like turning 10, you know. I no. want to be super young, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I'm already escaping, like that's already kind of like. But when you just said that, you don't want to be 60 when your child's 10, That that's you having a child 18 yeah. years from now. And I would just be like, don't <laughs> live that far down. Like, that's just going to fill you with all types of fear and anxiety. Like that's just. <laughs> Yeah, a long, long way away. So Every now and then, and it's not like common, but, you know, like when we were growing up, there would be the re- the odd kid that his parents that were like quite old and you'd be like, oh, they couldn't ever do everything that the young parents did. And I yeah, don't know. I just, look at the lifestyle the we're living, dolls. We won't be early onset dementia like my grandma. I'm going to be bloody firing yeah. after this Firing all cylinders, absolutely. My life design is going to change Please don't take that offence if you are an old parent, but that's just personally what really scares me. Like I, I want to be... What is old? It's a, it's a number. Well, you're more talking about you don't want, uh, if you're associating, you know, you don't have your physical vitality yeah, that you exactly. have now. Like you you could be a healthier version of you in eight years when you're 40 than you are mm. when you're 32. There are so many people that are better at 50 than they were at 40. So you yeah. have a high value on health. If you lose the high value on health, then you obviously speed up the rate of decline. But if you are keeping yourself really healthy and you have a child, you have absolutely nothing to worry about. But, I mean, I'm again, it sounds a bit pathetic, but I'm saying my wife, she had our youngest. We've got four kids. She had a youngest at, I think she was 39. And it's, like, definitely different to when she had our first child at 30. But this is the thing, like, in the context of your life, Chloe, that's in seven years' time. Mm. Like, that's over 2,000 days away. 
That's yeah. a lot of water under the bridge. Yeah. And like when you think about you specifically, like I'd say in the last two, three years, obviously you've gotten so much more wise and like, you know, with the meditation and stuff, your probably body or mental health become younger as such, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I do feel like me now compared to me five years ago, I'm definitely probably in like a better like... Better space. I'm healthier. Oh, Rummy press some buttons. That is so good. <laughs> I, I love that. that. Existed That's on the hilarious. Thing. I love that. Keep that in. Please keep that I in. Love that those is so buttons. good. I didn't That's even know that great. they existed so. on, the, on the little panel there. So, 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 I wanted to ask you are a raging vegan. Tell me what, what the differences you noticed were in your body or your mental health when you started eating meat again. Oh, started eating meat again. Well, Sarah was pregnant with our second child and she felt this urge to eat meat. <gasps> I had that. Okay, so I didn't eat meat. Yep. Remember, I would only ever touch seafood. I didn't touch red meat, especially no chicken. And then when I was pregnant, I wanted lamb mm-hmm. and shit. And I was like, I'm just going to listen to my body because I obviously need it. Mm. It must be an iron thing. or That's right. And, and now I can't get enough of it. And I literally feel, because I love animals, every time I eat meat, I do feel a bit like, I don't know. No, don't but listen I, to I anyone that tells it. you you're a bad human for eating meat. But, but to, to answer your question, when Sarah said, she had these urgings for meat. I was relieved because I was done with vegan. I was cooked. <laughs> I don't know if my changes were just changes out of pure excitement, but I think I was just really, I felt more physically vital. Someone asked me, said, how do you feel now, like seven years after you were vegan compared to when you started being vegan? Most people that do something like that, you feel euphoria for the first, let's say, three, six, maybe 12 months, but then you plateau and then it just becomes normal, so to speak. And then you go, well, hold on a minute. Like, is this so much better? And for all of the life elements that we were denying ourselves, people didn't invite us over for dinner because it's like, oh, Marcus and Sarah, we love them, but oh, what are we going to cook them? It's a bit hard. This is back in 2008, 9, 10. It's like, oh, separate meals. And I think we're all a bit used to that these days, but our social life was different. So the things that I noticed was it was so much easier to socialise. Yeah. Even shopping was easier. Diversity in our food was easier. We just had a lot more ease in our life because it wasn't so hell-bent on being vegan. And and I would probably also argue the same for when I started having a drink again. Like that's why I really loved your, your chat with Cooper because it's like my dad was proposing to his wife, a second wife, and we're in Bali. And I was like, I just want to have a Corona with my dad and go, congratulations, dad. Yeah. Like rather than doing it with a glass of water or soda water. And I was like, I'm not Mm. a raging alcoholic. I just want a drink. So it's like, why can't I just have one or two drinks? We're all like, you're all in or you're all out. But I was like, no, I think, I think particularly with food and alcohol, I just love being a mixer. I just love having whatever I want and not having to put a label on it. So they're the things that I I enjoy post-veganism. And yeah. I enjoy using shaving cream and not shaving with avocado. That, that <laughs> shit is messy, really messy. <laughs> but do you believe that everyone's body is different though? Because I 100% do know vegans that have been vegans for 15 years and they're thriving and energetic and they look like the picture of health. Yeah, how how, how old are they, Alan? About my age. Yeah, yeah my so age. That's, I, mean, I don't want to sound precious because I'm not disagreeing with their nutritional choices, but let's just say it this way. It's a lot easier to look great in your 20s and 30s regardless of your diet than it Uh, is in your 40s, 50s and 60s. So most of the people that I know that end their game are probably doing it when they're a bit older. It's a lot easier to look great regardless of your dietary choices. I'm looking for a 100-year-old vegan to interview that's been vegan since I was born and I can't find one. I'm looking for a culture 
even if it's a community uh, that has been vegan forever, for many, many, many years, I can't find one. And I'm saying this as a curious journalist. I'm not saying it to, to vegan bash. I'm just curious. We've been running our podcast since 2013, I think before longevity even became a mm. thing, and I still can't find a centenarian vegan to interview who's been vegan since they were born. So if vegan was the next best thing since sliced gluten-free bread, like <laughs> where, where are they all? Like, Wonder If you're what? an old vegan, please reach out. Yeah, please. Would... That's been vegan your whole life, yeah. I bloody really, really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, me too. I, I, I had no, um, I had high expectations for that chat and they went over oh, and above thanks, my expectations. I was, yeah, I was really excited to learn and I, I'm still excited to learn more and you, you've got your own podcast. Do you want to let our listeners know where they can learn more about this? Yeah, wherever people like to listen to podcasts, 100 Not Out is the name of our podcast. I'm going to send you both a book. I don't know if you're into books or audio books. Yeah. But yep, send yep. it to me. I love it. Lots of research in there, uh, Chloe, lots of end notes. That's called Your Exceptional Life. And if people prefer audio books, that's on Audible and so on. Is that your That's book? my book, yep. You've written a yep, book? Yep. Oh, my God. You two are both authors. Amazing. Yeah, it took me about five years. I'd have to get it on my Kindle. You're a Kindle girl? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I I go to Ikaria and Sardinia every year. So if if people are interested in that, they can go to 100notout.com. But I have a quiz. Like if people are interested in these eight areas of life, I ask people to rate each area, purpose, movement, social, nutrition, family, growth, wealth and spirit out of 10 and then to get a score out of 80 and then you get to know where you are now and I'm always about don't start on the, on the, on the strengths, actually work on where's life clunky, where's life a bit weak. Mm. So if they just go to marcuspierce.com.au, fill out this, this little quiz, they'll actually get to know where they are now and then that makes it easier to know what are you going to introduce? Like, are you going to catch up with your friends more? Are you going to stop saying, I don't have time to exercise? Are you going to reconsider your career or your love life or something? So that's probably a, a healthy place for people to start because it's just, it's personal and they find out where they are now and then they can um, adjust accordingly. Perfect. We'll chuck the link to that quiz in the show notes. Are the Icarians a bit rattled that this is all just becoming like uncovered these days, especially since that documentary? Like are they just like, can everyone just let us do us and like don't bring your heavy weight onto our communities? That's such, that is such a good question. Yeah. Let's just say it this way. They are superstitious. So Mm -hmm. without going too deep. After the Blue Zones research came out and everyone's, you know, this is nearly mm. 20 years ago, and everyone's going there to look for the secret of long life. A number of centenarians wow. started dying. And oh, a part of me stop. on a deep and meaningful level is like, well, obviously they're nearer the end than the beginning, but it's almost like I feel like they died because it's like it's not so simple to just go there, pick up the fountain of youth and walk home. So we're going to die so you never know because you can't just come and mm. rip it out. Like we have relationships that are almost 10 years old where we live in a village for 10 days and, we, yes, we go to other places, but the centenarians that we hang out with, uh, they know that we're not going hey, Chloe, you know, what's the fountain of youth here? What's the secret source to Ikaria? Because they know that there's not one thing. They know that it's lifestyle-based and it's not, again, for what use, want of a better word, it's not biohack-based. Like there's so many different principles that mm. allow them um, to live a great long life. So there's definitely an element of that, but I know the people that we hang out with in Ikaria, again, you can smell a rat from a mile away, right? Mm. Um, so <laughs> they don't tend to pass muster when they're, when they're on the island because they get spat out real quick. 
Thank you so much for your time. That was such an insightful chat. I'm so happy that um, we got to have it. And yeah, maybe we'll have to we'll have to keep listening to your podcast because it's so yeah. interesting. And I feel like there's so much more information that we weren't able to cover in Thank one hour. Thank you so much. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And to everyone uh, that's listened today, my, my one-liner at the end of everything is, may the rest of your life be the best of your life. And thanks so much for having me. Can't wait to see you live to 150. Let's do it. Yeah. You too, Ality. <laughs> you too, Chloe. <laughs> Thank you.